So today on the podcast, welcome to the Freeman Podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I had something in my mouth. Today on the podcast, we got my father, uh, business partner and friend. We got Gary Killen. Um, we've been working together for, uh, well, since I started in insurance, I guess we could say. What's that, 10, 11 years? 10 years. 10 it's years. been 10 years. And um, Gary Killen, uh, he's been my father my whole entire life. <laughs> so this is who we got on. He's been, uh, Gary's been working in insurance for, for a while. We're going to get into all that today, but uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for, for coming up and no need to be uh, nervous. You can let loose and say whatever you'd like to say whenever you want to say it. I will. <laughs> Good to be here. Cool. Anything in particular you want to talk about first? I have a couple of things I want to talk about, but do you have anything you want to talk about first? Uh, I'll let you ask the questions. I mean, I don't know where you want me to start. Do you want Perfect. me to start 30 years ago? Do you want me to start no, man, 10 years ago? Do you want me to start? I got, a, I got a whole plan worked out. So we'll start with, let's talk about, so it's not going to be about insurance at the beginning. Let's talk mm -hmm. about your upbringing. My upbringing? Yeah. Uh, I'm from a family of seven kids. My parents came here in 1956, immigrated from Scotland, yeah. uh, from Glasgow, actually. Yeah. Uh, my dad got, uh, he immigrated to Toronto first. Yeah. He, he didn't, he, it was Canada, Montreal, Toronto, it didn't mean, the difference didn't mean anything to him. So he was in Toronto looking for a job. He got a job working for Liberty Mutual. Uh, he was a salesman there, he loved it. But he didn't like the APRE work. In Toronto, he said, oh, they were boring. Nobody went out for a drink. Uh, it was like they, they finished work at 5.30 or 5 o'clock or 4.30, and everybody went home to their wives. And uh, he, he liked his drinks. Yeah, he enjoyed, he enjoyed having a few drinks here and there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, he did. Yeah. So anyways, um, the boss came up to him in Toronto and said to him, uh, we're going to open up an, an office in Montreal. And, uh, you know, you're the most likely candidate because your, your, your family's not here yet. Your wife's still in Scotland waiting for you to, you know, to, waiting to come over here. Uh, and you know, we, we thought about you and my dad said, sure, I'll, 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 you know, no problem. I have a suitcase. I don't have anything else to bring. And I didn't know that. So he was, he was in, um, Nana was still in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was here for, I think between six months and a year before they came over before Don, my, my two, my older sister, my older brother, Don and Frankie came over. Uh, you know, he was over here getting himself set saving enough money to bring them over, uh, you know, just, just getting himself established o over here. Mm. And uh, so they said to him, uh, the boss said to him, you know, would you like to have an office, uh, like to go to our office in, in Montreal? It's a new office. And my dad said, uh, sure, no problem. So I'll, I'll, I'll try it out and let's, let's, let's do it. He, he comes to Montreal and he's got his new office and his new office just happens to be the sales office in Montreal just happens to be on Crescent Street in Montreal. So, oh wow. You know, he he just died And what was what was Crescent Street like back? So this would have been about what, the 50s? 56. Okay. And what was Crescent Street like back in the 50s? Um it wasn't what it is today, but it, but it was So it wasn't so for for today it's just bars, it's restaurants, it's clubs. They they they, they had clubs back then, but not to the extent that they have today. Got it. But but it was a social area of of, uh, of Montreal where you could go have a drink, you could eat, uh, you know, have a good meal, and uh, so his his very first day at work was um, his partner was Rick Esber, who, who was owner of Williams and Esber, just passed away about three or four months ago, 
and uh, my dad and Rick Esber are, are ch chatting. So Rick says to my dad at five o'clock, he says, Scotty, he called him Scotty because he was from Scotland. <laughs> he goes, you want to go for a drink? And my dad said, sure. So and that, that was his, his, uh, his first day in Montreal as a salesperson. And, uh, and he, you know, he, he loved it. He ended up being um, uh, a very good salesperson. He became sales manager. Uh, he, um, he hired dozens of people that he became great friends with. And uh, he just, he really embraced Montreal and he embraced the whole culture here. And, uh, and, and, he, and he did well. And he, was, he worked at Liberty Mutual up until he was, um, up until 1972, if I'm not mistaken. And in 72, uh, Liberty Mutual had a cash crunch, uh, cash flow crunch, and uh, they couldn't write new business mm -hmm. because you you need a certain amount of reserves mm -hmm. to write to write the business. Well, they 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 didn't have it. So basically, what okay, let, 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 let's explain that for those who don't know insurance. So the can you just explain that part? I'll, I'll simplify it. Yeah. Uh, if I open up an insurance company today, and uh, I have say a million dollars in it. I've raised a million dollars, I have a million dollars of cash. Mm -hmm. I can't write a hundred million dollars worth of, of premium because who's gonna pay, how are you gonna pay the claims? And if everyone claims at once, yeah, you don't have enough money to pay. Exactly, yeah. so th there's a ratio, one, one to three, or three to one I should say, or, or whatever it is, where let's say you have a million dollars of cash, they'll allow you to write three million bucks of insurance. Yeah, uh, got it. And that's, that's how it works. Okay. So L Liberty had a, a, a cash crunch and uh, they, they, they couldn't write new business. So they told my dad, and the head office was in Boston, they called my dad up and said, uh, the, the last five guys in are the first five guys out. And because we, we, we don't need them. And so my, my dad said, well, I have a problem. He said, because three of those guys, my last guys that are out of the last five that are in are my best salespeople. And I have people that have been here for years that are that are not very good salespeople at all, not proficient at the job whatsoever. He says, so I'd like to be able to, we're going to lay off five people. I want to lay off the five worst. Yeah, of course. Not, yeah. not you know, he goes, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm laying off three of my most productive people. You know, I'm stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They said, sorry, that's the rules. That's uh, that's that's the, you know, head office wants that, and that's do it. Do it. You got to do it. Yeah. So. Um, he went home to my mo to my mom. My mom said, you know, he was he was upset. He was he was emotional, and uh, so he he did it, and he he laid off five of his, you know, three of his best buddies all on the same day, and mm. he quit. He said, "I'm out of here. I'm out of here." He quit. He quit Liberty Mutual, and he started a home and car, mom and pop shop, selling home and car insurance. <laughs> started <laughs> out of nowhere, out of his basement, out of, actually our our playroom. Yeah. And uh, that was that was his office. Started with one policy. I don't know how he did it. I have no idea. It was seven kids, a wife. I, I to this day I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And uh, that's he, some grit. A lot of grit. Uh, and and j just out of curiosity, so when he left, was he even able to bring some of the? I'm assuming there was a non-compete, obviously, from where he was working at Liberty Mutual. But uh, you know how that works, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was still a bunch of clients that, you know, the first couple months are tough, but after a year or two years, I'm sure a bunch of them came, went with Frank Killen. A bunch, of those, a bunch of those clients did go with him, yeah. exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And did he bring those salespeople with him as well? No. He didn't? No. Why he, not? Uh, well, he couldn't afford to pay them. 
Got it. Yeah, and yeah, uh, so it was what my my sister Donna just finished high school at the time. Yeah. So she joined him, and uh, it was the two of them for for years, and then Greg joined him, and then and I and and ju I just want to stay here. So basically, when he was in the basement uh, calling for insurance or basically trying to start a business, and insurance to support himself and to support you know seven kids, uh, there was no internet back then, so this was all getting a phone book and cold calling, right? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Get getting a phone book and cold calling. But get this, it was so manual, like nowadays, you know, you, you, you quote, you go online, you get the quote on the computer, computer gives you the quote. It takes five minutes. Takes five minutes. Yeah. Back then, you had a book and you, and you flip pages to see what, what rating they are, what category, you know, how old the person was, where they lived. And it would take you 10 minutes to, to look for the premium. Then you give the premium. Then you'd have to write up a, a legal size paper with carbon copies in the middle or like five copies whatever and you had to write write that up by by hand mail it by courier get the policy back by courier send the invoice to the to the client hopefully they pay you <laughs> so <laughs> and th and this was why i guess back then insurance was a lot more face to face than what it is today yes because it would just make sense hey i got your policy do you want to wait a couple more days in the mail or yeah. do you want to come pick it up so yeah. they'd go pick it up yeah it was face to face exactly huh it's interesting that in other parts of quebec and ontario uh, ontario more so than quebec but there's still i don't want to say a lot but there's still quite a few people that prefer to do home and car insurance face to face it's interesting yeah uh rural areas for sure yeah yeah they want to go and they want to walk, they pay by, you know, get the people that still walk in, they pay by check. Yeah. Um, well, rural areas are not, you know, you're, you're not inundated by, by crowds yeah. on a regular basis. So you, you enjoy going out and, and gives see, you something to seeing do. your broker and talking about the whatever, you know. Interesting. Okay. So Frank Killen started off, left Liberty Mutual, started off on his own, cold calling people, building KBD insurance. Well, KBD is still here today. Yep. And Donna, so your sister. Yep. Started working with Frank. Was this immediately after he, or was this immediately once he started? Yes. On his own, immediately. Okay. Well, cool. well within a month or okay. So that, we'll say that's immediately. Uh, I don't. I don't sure. know exactly, but it was within the same say, five or six months. Yeah. And then Greg, your younger brother, started. And then wh when did you start? Did you start? When did you start working with KBD? Um, I started working with them when I was about 25 or 26. Okay. And, but, but this, this is how it worked out. It worked out in my favor big time. Uh, my dad couldn't afford to hire me because my brother and sister were working there. So he couldn't afford to hire me and pay me because they, they didn't have the money. They didn't, mm. they, you know, there was a small shop and they, they just, they didn't have it. So, um, he got in contact with Prudential at the time, Prudential of England and uh, convinced them to uh, have me work there for one year to basically train, learn per home and car insurance, learn commercial insurance, and uh, to, to get to know the product and without the expense to KBD, it was, and I, I was a salaried employee by, by, by Prudential for, for almost a year. And uh, 
you must have had a good contact there to basically go, hey, my son's going to work there for, you mind training my son and I'll take him back in a year? That's a nice guy. Yeah, it was, it was a big, big, big contact, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he took me in. Anyway, so I, I went to, I started in the personal lines department. Yeah. And uh, learned home and car insurance. And, I, you know, the people that were there were fabulous. They were supportive. They were, I'm sure some of them, one or two are still there, I think. Uh, they, they were, it was a great crew. Uh, the product itself, it didn't excite me. I, I didn't get any excitement out of home and car insurance. It was like, uh, it, it, it didn't, didn't tickle my fancy. And then I left there, although I had great support when I was there. So I left, I left the, the personal lines. I went to the commercial department. On this is while you're still at Prudential. Yes, okay. uh, still Prudential. So I went to commercial. Yeah. I went to the commercial department, uh, on McGill College. I walked into the place, and my first day there, I said, "I love this." The people were amazing. Uh, it was um, the products, the the way they did things was uh, was very professional, and I was impressed because they, you know I, I saw some of the names that they insured like big fortune, you know, fortune 500 companies and banks and stuff like that. I said, well, well these, these are, these are, this is where to be, you know? And, uh, this is where the money's at. This is where the money's at. Yeah. And, and they had, uh, they had an amazing, amazing, uh, like managers, underwriters. Uh, they had quality ex they had expertise in liability, expertise in, in, in commercial auto. Uh, they, they had, they, they had, they had it all. And, uh, I, I worked there and I, I learned how to be an underwriter before I learned how to be a broker. So you basically got to see, because you went on to become an insurance broker after. Yes. So you got to see underneath the hood of an insurance company, more or less. Yeah, I, I got to see how, how, the, how the insurance treaties work with reinsurance because insurance companies, when, 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 a, when they insure clients, uh, commercial or whatever, they don't always take the full capacity. They they reinsure that with other 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 mm -hmm. reinsurance companies. I got to know how the how those worked and the capacity and uh, and I got to see uh, reinsurance for for people that don't know. It's it's in a t oversimplified version. It's basically insurance for insurance companies. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, yeah. yeah. It's a big uh, what's it called a uh, a shit salad or I forget what it's called. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah. So in other words, if if, if, if your business is worth $100 million, my $100 million, that's building stock equipment, uh, business interruption, if the whole, the, the, the value, total value is $100 million and an insurance company X insures it, there's a good chance that they're not going to be taking that full risk. So if the building burns down, they don't want to pay out $100 million. They yeah. want to pay out maybe 30 or 40 and then the rest of it is paid by the insurance companies and they, they, get, they get commission for that, yeah. for, for putting it out. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, so I, uh, the... The um, I I learned how to how to underwrite before I learned how to be a broker. And I I would see submissions come in from from brokers, and I I quickly realized that if you send your submission in on a on a, on a napkin, it's not it's not going to go anywhere. Did you ever actually see that? Absolutely. No, you didn't. I, I Are you serious? It was basically almost a napkin, and and I I knew the broker. I oh. won't say the name. Oh my god! <laughs> so you get just uh. <laughs> Please send quote back within 24 hours, and they're asking you for a rush or something. Yeah, like it would be a, yeah, the yeah. address, uh, b b building, uh, whatever, uh, million dollars, uh, five thousand dollar deductible, and give me my quote. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, on a napkin. Cool. Almost on a napkin. So I, 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 the Prudential experience was amazing. It helped me out a lot. And when I started in insurance, I knew. 
how to when you started as a broker you mean sorry when i started as a broker yeah i knew how to process the submissions put all the underrated information that you got from the, the, the your prospect i knew how to how, i knew how to package that to make it enticing to the underwriter to give me a very competitive rate in order for us to in order for me to, to get the insurance you knew how to so as an insurance broker a commercial insurance broker, you knew how to present the risk. Absolutely. To make to simplify it. So that that's a good point because that's but, but just let me cut you. Presentation is the utmost because if you don't present it properly, you, they're not going. You're not going to get a quote, or you won't get a competitive quote. Okay, can you say that part again? If you get, get, give some details to this, because you know you, you you have a lot of experience as a commercial. You're, you're not dealing with clients anymore but you know you were uh, for a long time you're dealing yeah. with mid-market commercial well, insurance clients and stuff can you for the insurance brokers out there can, this is an important tip for when you're sending can you please um, add some detail to this when you're sending the stuff to okay uh what i what i would do is first of all there's basic and let, let's say for example your your company x you you're a manufacturer of widgets yeah uh and you're making wooden widgets and uh, and you're selling them to uh, all over Canada, and some of them go to the U.S. Yep. So basic underwriting is is I would I would go to I would come to see you, and I I would supply the the, the building in information to the to the insurance company. Like for example, uh, what's the construction? How old is it? Is it sprinklered? Is it not sprinklered? Um, uh, that's that yeah, more, more, more or less. Construction information. Construction information. Yeah. And then I would uh, provide information to what you do, how you do it. Like, uh, okay, he's a, he's a widget maker. He makes widgets. He imports the wood from uh, BC, British Columbia, comes in. He cuts it. Uh, he puts it through the, the lathe, the machine. The machine makes a, a widget form. comes out the other end, and it goes into the paint shop, and the, the paint shop paints it. Uh, and then it's stored in the warehouse, and the you know the warehouse is stored in racking, which is uh, also sprinklered, and and so th that's basic underwriting information. But I, I would go a step further, and what I would do is I would, it's like almost like a human interest story. I, I would supply information, like I, I would, I would find out what's your education, what's your qualification. As me, the business owner. Yes. Okay, where, where you went to school. Uh, how you started this business. How, how did you start dealing with your broker? Why, why you, are, are you still with the broker? Obviously, you're, you're happy yeah. with the service and everything else. Yeah. But I, I, would, I would add to that because the best businesses that you can insure are businesses that have no moral risk whatsoever. And when, when I'm talking about a moral risk, you're not going to burn it down if it's not, if it's not, you know, it's not doing well. You're a well. diligent business owner. That's what you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you're a business owner that doesn't want to have an insurance claim. You're not somebody that says, oh, well, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that because what do I have insurance for? You, you, because insurance is going to put you back to where you were before, but you, you really don't want to have an insurance claim, no. a fire or whatever. No, it's, no. It's, it's, it's not, you know. So you're looking for business owners with a good moral risk and who are willing to take preventative measures if need be in order to prevent them from making claims. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's loss prevention. You, you, you want to be proactive 
with regard to loss prevention. You don't want to have to. You don't want to be reactive and wait for something to happen. Yeah. No, I agree. But be, being being proactive is is uh, is uh, is a good quality to have in insurance. And then so okay, I wasn't going to talk about this, but here let's let's take this tangent. So sending. Uh, this is going to be good for the insurance crowd. If you're not in the insurance crowd, you can basically just fast forward. So, <laughs> but when you are sending off these risks, we're sending off these applications to insurance companies. Okay. Um, so you just talked about how you add, you'll add all the basic information. And you'll go a step further and add even more information to paint a clearer picture for the underwriter. What I wanted to talk about was underwriting today versus underwriting from back in the day when you were doing it has obviously changed. It's changed. It's basically a lot of underwriters, the insurance companies are so big now, a lot of underwriters just basically look at a matrix. They give you a price, take it or leave it. We're not doing this. I wanted you to just kind of talk about that time or the underwriters were, who is the guy there? Tencent Tom or something like that. I'll tell so, you, I'll tell you the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for, first of all, um, back when I, when I, when I started, it was all about relationships. Yeah. It, it still is to some well, degree, but, I, but, but, I, but I'll tell you what's, what's changed, what's changed a lot. There was dozens of insurance companies to deal with. Yeah. Way more than there is today. So there's been so much cons consolidation since, since then, like Intact. If you take Intact and Aviva, they, the, those were probably 15 companies that consolidated those two companies. So, mm -hmm. so you had, you had a, lot of in, a lot of companies to go to, but the companies that you dealt with was uh, smaller. There were less employees. Like they did, they, you would maybe deal with two or three underwriters, maybe one underwriter as opposed to something like intact where you have 50 oh my god yeah you know or, yeah. or, or 80 it's a lot it's or, a lot. or whatever yeah. you know yeah. so so is you could easily develop relationships and that's what it was all about and and you had your underwriters and and and, and a relationship is about trust yeah and if if they trust you and the only way they can trust you is by earning your earning their trust earning, yep. you know you have to earn your own you have to earn it they have to earn it I have to earn it, and you know it's the way it works. But um, so you would, you would. I didn't really use underwriters to get quotes. I I used I won't say used. I I, I went to underwriters to present them with the information and to provide me with a quote that quote there, but not. I I would pre-sell everything. I wouldn't go to seven underwriters or seven companies or whatever it is. I would have it pre-sold. So when I go to see you, uh, you're, you know, you're I basically come to a, an idea of what the premium would be in my head, you know, after you tell me your sales and how much to the US and, and you know, your, your, your process of how you manufacture, it's wood, so it's gonna be a higher rate. And uh, I was an assumptive seller. So I, I would, my, more or less I would be saying to you, assuming I can do this and I can do that and I can address your concerns with, you know, our service that we can give you and so on and so forth, what would it take to constitute a change? And uh, that was your line. That was my line. I've used that before, by the way. It works well. It works really well. You yeah. know, what would it take? Well, yeah. you, have to, you have to assume. assume yeah. You know, I mean, because you don't. Let, let's say that line again for the brokers out there. Great closing line. Let, let, say that line again, please. Assuming. And this is, by the way, uh, this is like once everything's already done, you've asked all the underwriting questions, you're talking to them, you have a pretty good idea of what they do as a business owner. You're getting ready to leave pretty much. You're going to go do your work, get a quote back to them. Yeah, you're getting ready to leave. And, and you, yeah. you, you've already introduced yourself because when, yes. when, you, when you walk in the door... Wait, we're, we're, we're getting off topic. The, the line, that line, that the... 
I, the, the line I would use would be what was or is, <laughs> uh, assuming that I can address all your concerns with regard to like switching like a service, what we can provide, the insurance company that I'm going to quote you with. Uh, so in other words, I'm going to quote you with, you know, one of the one of the big guys. Assuming I can address all your concerns, what would it what would it take for us to do business together? What would what would it take? What would what would constitute a change for us to do business together? And that, that was what I would say. And then the, you, the response was usually, "Well, save me money." Well, I would say to myself, "Like, how much?" You know? Yeah. And and then I would, but I knew my rating so well. I would basically say, if I can come in at this, what, could we do business together? So you basically say, this is going to be, I'll give you all the same, I'll make sure that the quote I'm going to give to you is going to be apples to apples, same protection, same everything. If I come in at this price, roughly, would that constitute a change on your half? Yeah, assuming the coverage is, is adequate and at least yeah. the same coverage and, you know, uh, yeah, what, what it cost, would it constitute a change? So you would basically, so whenever you present this stuff to the underwriters, everything was pre-sold. Now, what about if you were to use that line? Because you've talked about this a lot before with me as well, where sometimes you'll go in, you're trying to make the sale, and you could tell, you can usually tell within five minutes that you're not going to make the sale and that the guy or girl is not interested. What, what would, let's say, for example, you go, well, what would constitute a change? And they go, um, nah, I don't know. Give me, give me, give me your best price. Talk, talk a little bit about that. When you were getting fluffy answers, you weren't getting... Talk about when you're not able to get the mandate from the client because that's an important part about this in sales, in insurance and sales in anything. It's important. And, you know, you, you hammer this into my head. Ask for the mandate. If you can't get a mandate, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to get the business. No, that's... that's uh, Absolutely. But you're not going to... If they don't... If they don't ask any questions at all, there's no interest. Yeah. There's 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 zero. You ain't getting that. No. Yeah. And, when, and when you ask somebody for the mandate and they give you the they go, oh yeah, no problem, and they don't ask any questions, they're lying to you. Yeah, yeah they're fl being all fluffy. You're not yeah. you're not you're not getting it. Yeah. So if if you get the feeling from a lot of the questions that were asked, and you get the feeling, and if you're dealing with a decision maker, which is by the way. You have to deal with a decision maker because yeah, you're course. dealing with anybody Sa else. Sales 101. Yeah. Sales 101. Uh, if you're dealing with decision makers, decision makers are usually owners, or CEOs. And they, they don't really dick you around that much. They basically tell you like it is, and, uh, yes or no and uh, whatnot. But uh, if, if, you, if there was no chance of getting a mandate, then you, I would ask myself, why, am I not, why is there no chance? I've already asked them. And I, at this point, I know who the broker is. I know how this, when they started dealing with the broker, how many years they've been with the broker. That that means a lot. You know, is is it your neighbor? Is it is your golf buddy? I mean, let's let's face it. You know, because if it's if it's your next door neighbor that you play golf with twice a week, you're right. gonna say to yourself, "What the hell am I doing here?" No, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. the, the only way you're gonna get that is if you make a mistake on, on the yeah. premium, and, or or and, or, and or, or or. But sometimes it does happen to where. He's been with the same broker for years and years, and the comfort factor between him and his broker is just not in his favor. Yeah. Good for the broker, but not in yeah. his favor. So the broker is kind of maybe taking advantage of this of the relationship and hasn't shopped it, uh, hasn't uh, done his due diligence each year to make sure that you know the the premium is, is competitive. Yeah, and 
that happens too, and it, that did happen. And, and in those cases where it happened, uh, he, you know, I, I, I'd come in and I, uh, unknowingly, I'd be like 50% less. Well, he, he's now he's in, now he's got a problem. He's like, yeah. oh, oh, you know, uh, what, 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 what do I do? You know? And they always look at it and go, "What's different about your quote than the, than than what I'm paying right now?" I've had that before too. And you kind of just go, "Nothing. This is the same thing." And then they go, yeah. "Shit, I'm getting rinsed." Yeah. 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 And 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 if they're getting rinsed, their broker doesn't get a second chance. Yeah. And and, and they shouldn't. Yeah. If, you know, if there's ten or ten or twenty in this business, ten or twenty percent is is no problem. Yeah. But you know, but but fifty. Yeah. That's that's yeah. But it, it, it does happen and in, in, a, in, a, yeah. in, in bigger accounts. It's, they could go from 400000 to 150000 Yeah, easily. So, so here, Gary, because for, for, we're, we're, we're getting off topic, so the, there's one question, then, then i got to rewind back to another question. But So when you're unable to get the mandate from a client at the end of a, of a meeting, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Uh, I get back to the office. I put that on the corner of my desk or wherever it's going to go. Yeah. I let it sit there for a week or two. And uh, I'll call up the uh, prospect and tell him I thought about it and this is my price. I'll just take a price out of my head. A price I can give. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'll take a price out of my head and I'll say, uh, how does that sound? I'll be, I'll be about this. I'll be about that. And uh, they, they'll say, oh, that's roughly what I'm paying. And that's like, see you later. You see you later. Or they'll say, oh, wow, put that in writing. And uh, at that point, uh, I would ask more questions. If they say put it in writing. And then you, because you want to say, okay, I'll put it in writing, no problem. With this price and the same protections, are we going to do business? Or am I just putting this in writing so you can take it, show it to your broker, and they match it? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. I, I I wouldn't say to them, I wouldn't. I know. I I, I get it. I wouldn't say to them, "Are you going to take it and, and and show it to your broker so they can match it?" Because it's kind of like confrontational. But that's probably what they're going to do. Absolutely. <laughs> but so, but you want to yeah. avoid confrontation. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, now, so here, let's rewind back once. We're going to go back one step. The original question or the original conversation that we were having. The ten cent Tom or whatever it was. So dealing with underwriters. So you're, we're talking oh, okay, about okay. So when I when I when I when I when I finished Prudential, and uh, com com completed my years worked there, I got my license and got into insurance, and uh, I was, I had, maybe four insurance companies that I could deal with at the time. So yep. I was I was limited to the type of business that I could go after because. There's no sense in me going after business that I, that I don't have a market to, to place it because I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting, wasting the prospect's time as well. So I had, uh, I had Zurich. I had Halifax Industrial Risk in Toronto. I had Prudential, um, <coughs> a few other companies. And uh, so I, I got friends with this guy, uh, Richard. At, 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 uh, he was a field rep at Zurich. I met him, and he was a, kind of a chubby, jolly guy. And when I met him, first time I met him, he said to me, he said, uh, yeah, yeah, my name's Richard, and, but you can call me Dickie or you can call me Porky. <laughs> and I said, call you Porky? I, like, I, I didn't feel it was appropriate because yeah, yeah. he's fat, right? So, <laughs> and, and, and he says, no, no, call me Porky. I said, okay, I'll call you Porky. So that, so that, that was his name. So he would, uh, he, he golfed. He, was, he loved golf. So I would go to, we'd golf together and I'd bring up my submissions and, and you know, after the golf game, he'd go, okay, uh, this one I agree with, this one's too low, uh, cut your commission in half, uh, this one's whatever. So, 
uh, and then uh, I started dealing with uh, this Halifax out of Toronto, and there was this guy Patty. Uh, Patty was the was the editor at the time, and uh, he they were really aggressive uh, for a while, and and he he was quoting me. So three quotes in a row, he he quoted me ten cents. Ten. When I say ten cents, for the people that aren't in insurance, it's uh, what you do is you you take the insurable value, you multiply it by. 0.10, which is 10 cents, and, and you, you divide it by 100, and that, that's, that's your premium because it's 10 cents per 100. So uh, uh, he, he quoted me uh, really low rates, and, and I got business every single time because who knows what I s saved the client, probably a whole pile of money, right? And, uh, and so Zurich, at, uh, Richard at Zurich said to me, uh, he goes, hey, 10 cents, that's, that's freaking crazy. It was two, three times in a row. So the next time I sent both a submission to both companies. Again, Porky calls me up and he says, Gar, listen to me. He says, if you have a rate, if you have a freaking 10 cent rate from 10 cent patty, again, <laughs> take it and, <laughs> and don't bother, don't bother me. So from that day on, he called him 10 cent patty. So every time I sent something to Zurich, he'd say, did you send it to 10 cent patty? Okay, so here, because a lot of people, a lot of people think that you started at KBD. Well, you started Prudential, but you started at KBD and you worked at KBD Insurance throughout your career. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before that, while you were working at Killen, Bullard, Divine, what was it like working with your dad, your sister, and your brother? What was that like? What did you like about it? What were the cons? What were, why did you leave? Let's get into all that because it's it's interesting because a lot of times people when they work with their family it's rare that they'll go off on their own it does happen but it's more times often than not they're going to stay working in the company with their family right yeah so what 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 happened there let's kind of open up this uh, um well they, they they were primarily a home and car uh, shop they had commercial accounts that they from brokers that they bought a few small brokers that they bought and they, they, they Commercial accounts ended up staying there, obviously, because they, they paid for them. Yeah, and uh, so they they, but they weren't um, they weren't Don, Don did commercial. Uh, Greg did uh, the home and car. Home and car. Yep. Yeah, and uh, but Don, Donna wasn't um, wasn't a pure commercial person in in the, in the way that out pounding the beat writing new accounts. Yeah. So she they were happy, and which is which is fine. It's the way you know the way things go, right? They're happy to. To to service what you have and whatnot, I was um, I was hungry for the business. I was like really hungry for business, and uh, I was out looking for business, like out, out pounding the. the, the you were prospecting. I was prospecting. Yeah, yeah and and, uh, and uh, so I, I was prospecting, and I, I was I was working really hard at it, and I I, I kind of disassociated myself from the 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 the, the daily tasks at the, at the company. Like there was the home and car, which I had nothing to do with. Uh, commercial that Donna had, she handled that. And then I was on my own to, to place. I was, you know, placing the business. When I say placing the business, I was doing my submissions to, to underwriters, getting my quotes back. Uh, I had support from them when I wasn't there because obviously clients need to be serviced. Yeah. You know, so. so if you go on vacation. Yeah, I go on vacation or I'm, I'm out on the road. Uh, but for the most part, so you were basically, yes, you were underneath the banner of KBD Insurance, but you were working for yourself. More or less, yes. Got it. E exactly. So, 
uh, I thought, I was thinking, I, I wanted to go on my own because I wanted to do things the way I wanted to do them. I, I, I wasn't in agreement with the way everything was done in the office. What weren't you in agreement with? Um, I wasn't in an agreement with the way that the commercial business was, was, was run. I, I, I didn't feel as if I had enough support to, or expertise, I won't say support, they supported me. I didn't have enough expertise in the office to help me out because I, I was new at it, I was I was yeah. I was there. There was new insurance. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have, I didn't have enough expertise to go out to enable me to to enhance my my capabilities of writing insurance, uh, selling more insurance. But then you went off on your own, so you didn't have the expertise there either. Well, I went off on my own, but now now I'm free to hire who I want. Got it. So I, so you had that constraint at KBD. So if you want to hire someone for to to help support you in the commercial insurance department. You guys just didn't have the cash flow to do that. No, we, uh, exactly. They, they would. Uh, if I would, if I needed somebody to be my my support person, like a hundred percent, my uh, with my 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 work, it, it didn't. I didn't have that. So I was. Do you a, feel, so do I was you, able to make my own decisions. So when I when I went on my own, I hired who I wanted, and expertise, salespeople, and that was worked better for me like that. Do you feel that while you you were working at KBD? that you guys were aligned as a team in terms of the vision of where the company was going? No. What were you not aligned with? Um, there was really not much discussion on the line. It was a, it was a, it was a mom and pop shop where we, everybody kind of did their own thing. What was the vision of the company? Uh, to grow, but how? Other than me, and that's 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 what I when I looked at, it, I said to myself, the, the growth potential in this company is is from my sales, it's not from anything else. And were they growing in home and car insurance or not really? Not really, here and there, a maybe, couple. maybe here and there. Like I, if I'm, the phone rang, they'd answer. Exactly, but there there was no I, there was prospecting. There, there was no plan to it was it was run like most. Other brokers run their shop, not yeah. not to criticize it. No, I get it. But, yeah. but but it was just run like that. So I thought to myself, the growth in this company is going to come from me, from the, from from nowhere else, and and I wanted to keep growing it and growing it and growing it and growing it. So I said to myself, you know what? I might as well just go and do it on my own. I'll get, I get to hire who I want, do, run it the way I want, uh, grow the way I want, put the money in my pocket the way I want. Why did you want to grow the company? Why? Yeah, because there's two types of people. There's there's a person that, well, first of all, it takes a certain type of person, and I'm not one of these people, but it takes a, t a certain type of person to go off on their own. You know, I was lucky I got dealt a good deck of cards. And there's another type of person that just wants to collect a paycheck. Yep. And so what is it about you that made you want to go and grow a company? Because you, you hit a certain point. You don't need more money. You can live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I at, at a certain point, which is roughly eighty thousand per person or somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little more now for because of inflation. Or but ninety yeah. or whatever. Call it, yeah. Call it ninety thousand or eighty thousand. Yeah. That that at that level, and and there's there's studies on this that that prove it. At that's that's your base salary, max salary for happiness. Yeah. In other words. Going forward, happiness doesn't scale with salary. 
Yeah, an increase in salary. It's once you have enough to basically support your daily, your day-to-day costs. Once you have enough, you don't have to worry about the next paycheck or your yeah. next meal. Yeah. In North America, you're exactly. typically you're fine. Exactly. And it's actually interesting because in other countries too, a lot of times, like if you're really poor. And people from the West will go to these countries and they'll look at these people and they're dirt poor, but they're so happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of times they're happier than the rich guy sitting in the mansion up on the hill in Beverly Hills or something. Absolutely. You know, he's got this to worry about. His wife's cheating on him. He's got like all this shit to kind of, you know. Absolutely. Well, there's there's something called, uh, I call it, I make it up. It's called the paradox of luxury. What is meant to be luxurious basically ends up enslaving you and boxing you in and, yeah. and limits you. And this, this is something we could take from, from the Romans because the Romans conquered, they enslaved, and then people that they enslaved grew accustomed to the Roman way of life because it was the be- they had roads and running water and, and mm. whatnot. And so the people that they, they enslaved basically were in a position where they, they limited themselves what to do because they, 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 they couldn't get out of it. And it's not, not unlike technology today to f- for certain people, for a lot of people. Yeah. You, it, 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 ens- it enslaves you. Yeah. And that's, uh, anyways, we're getting off. Yeah, we're going on a tangent we're again. Going, we're going on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. like we just took like a weed gummy and shrooms or something. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, or LSD. What were we talking about again? Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Okay, so no, but we're talking about, so you have, I, I have my own opinion on this, but I, I guess it's, a philosophical type of question. Why do you want to back in the day? Why did you want to grow a company? Well, there's certain, there's various reasons for that. Number one, I want to have a better standard of living and I want to have security. So I want to have, I have two, two kids and a wife at the time. Yep. Uh, I want to have uh, enough money to have a house to, to provide an education for you guys provide a good quality of life for the whole family, uh, to save up for retirement, uh, to, you know, to, to the normal things that where, why people want to, want to, want to make more money. And the other part of it, I would say is I'm competitive and I like, yeah, this, this, this is what I was going for. Cause everyone wants that. Ex- exactly. Well, I'm, I'm competitive and I, I love a challenge. I, I don't look, I didn't look at work as, as a, as a fear thing. I, I was never afraid or mm-hmm. fearful of, of failure or fear fearful of, of not making enough money. To me, it was a challenge. And after a while, when the company did well, uh, I didn't need more money. And when I, when I went out and hired more people and I'd go out and help sales or sell myself what, uh, to, to get more accounts to me, it was, it was, it was, it was more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the, the, the challenging part of it. And I really do believe, and to this day, and I, I enjoyed the business. The part that I enjoyed the most was selling. And selling was a little bit different than it is today. It's all it was face-to-face. So it would take hours and days to, to put your stuff together and, and, to, to, and to, to close a deal. But, <coughs> sorry. but when you close the deal, it was a great feeling of accomplishment. And you're basically completing a task. That's a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you're increasing your dopamine in a, in a natural way. And there's other natural ways to do it, like, uh, you know, exercise, uh, intimate conversations with friends and family, um, music, art, creating art, listening to music, uh, uh, all, all kinds of... Uh, sex, food, drugs, all like... All well, the but the d- drugs, I, I call it an unnatural way. Sex is not natural, obviously. Yeah. 
uh, food, yeah, chocolate, uh, sugar, point, yeah. to a point, uh, yeah. it, it increases dopamine level. Well, there's increases which are natural and there's spikes which are unnatural. Yeah. And when your increases, you're, you're kind of going in a little bit ways like that. That's, that's, that's fine. When, when you spike it, that's we're, get, we're getting off topic again here, Gary. Just one second. When, <laughs> when you spike it, that's, that's the problem because what goes up must come down. Yeah. And the more you do it, like if you're onto Coke, whatever, you, you, you know, your first time you do Coke, it goes up like this, comes back down. But yeah. the more you do Coke, the, the shorter and weaker the spikes get, but the longer and stronger the, da- the, the deficits get. Yeah. So you end up, you end up feeling like shit and yeah. uh, that then causes addictions and cravings and everything else. So, yeah. Cool. So the answer is basically just the fact that you're competitive. That's why you. Yeah, you you just it's you're it's it's challenging. You like to think you can do a better job than than than. It's kind of like. Would you agree with this? I feel sometimes, not sometimes. This is what I actually feel like, where running a business, it's it's like a sports league, because sometimes people ask, well, why do you? What is winning? And winning in business, there's no hard answer. Winning is X. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just enjoying the process. And for example, someone asked me this once. They go, well, why do you want to win? Why do you want to grow your company? I go, I don't know. Why does uh, Sidney Crosby want to win the Stanley Cup? Why does Michael Jordan want to win the champion, the NBA championship? I don't know. This is just kind of in my DNA and it's fun. And it's if I was to go to work every day and just sit there and do and just let the business run. Oh, my God, that'd be so boring for sure. But, so but, but, go, but going back to what I was saying, yeah. you, every time you you accomplish something and you, you complete a goal, it's like check, you know, yeah. those are all dopamine yeah, hits. It, it, makes, nice. it feels good. It makes you feel good. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to work on not to get the dopamine from that, but to get the dopamine from the process yes. itself. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you, you don't want it to become a craving or an, or an addiction because yeah. – when you crave something, you're never going to get enough. It's like you get it and you want more, and it's like okay, but no big, you don't appreciate it. And and sorry, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> don't be sorry. Okay, cool. So you want to grow your business. You went off on your own. Yep. You went off on your own in uh, 1994. 1991. 1991. Okay. And then so when you went off, so you're working at KVD Insurance, Killen Bollard Divine, it was referred to at the time. Mm-hmm. And then you took your book of business that you had. Yep. Did you have to buy it off of no, we, Frank? We, he just, we agreed. Okay, I, I cool. was able to take it. Yeah. Nice thing about working with family. If great, he wasn't was, your uh, was, father, I doubt that would have happened. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it wouldn't happen. No. So, okay. So you went off on your own, 1991. Tell us about what it was like because there's a lot of people out there. And I would say today is more difficult to start a business as an insurance broker because I would say so the, the, how do, how do I say this? The big brokers have economies of scale mm-hmm. and today that's why there's fewer and fewer mom and pop shops and you see fewer and fewer insurance brokers starting up. So I, I think, but there are still people that want to start up. So when you were starting um, group technician or at the time when you first started your commercial insurance brokerage it was for, uh, referred to as uh, Gary Killen and Associates, no, I think. No, group, um, no, you changed it to Group Technician you're, later. You're, you're right, actually. It was Gary Killen and Associates, you're I right. believe, at the you're, beginning. You're right. And then, uh, so talk to, talk to us about, you know, starting, uh, not starting, you had a little base already, but, you know, you're on your own. Talk to us about that. What was that like? Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a challenge. 
But uh, I had three good companies that I started with. I had Chubb, uh, Zurich, and Prudential at the time. So those three companies supported me a lot. And uh, I had good relationships with underwriters and management in each company. And uh, I, had a, I had one employee was my, my backup. Like uh, when I wasn't there, they- Liberta. Yeah, Liberta, yeah. She still works in the industry. Yeah, she still works, she works for Fort, yeah, exactly. Cool. She yeah. was she she did uh, the the accounting. Uh, she was like uh, the uh, my right hand person at the time. You know? Yeah, and uh, yeah. So she I I I I just was on the road. She was she was in the office taking the phone calls. There wasn't that many phone calls because I didn't have that many accounts. They were yeah. all good size accounts. And uh, I, I went out on the road and I just I I got, yeah no cell phones back then right so no, you're just <laughs> no no cell phones <laughs> at all. You, so yeah. I just went out and <coughs> and I, I went and went on the road and I, I knocked on doors and. Went to places that that I thought would I could, I could solve their problem, and I looked at myself as a problem solver, and 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 like that, that's what I thought about it. I said, you you're you're running your company, you have a problem. Uh, if you have a problem, I can fix it. And the problem would be, uh, you don't have your coverage is not good enough. You're paying too much. Uh, whatever. That's, you're not properly covered. You're not properly covered. So I looked at myself as a problem solver, and I I go in and basically tell the person, you know, if you have a problem, I'm here to solve it. I'm, I'm here to provide benefits and uh, let's 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 go for it you know? what was your mindset starting the business my mindset was just to I didn't have a lot of huge goals when I first started it was just to get organized like the, my first year was goes to get the, the feel of how to run your own business um, get the feel of what what it's like to be out there and and having basically you know you're the you're the owner CEO you're making you're calling all the shots and then maybe after the first year, I started thinking, okay, who, who am I going to hire now? And, and what, what? You were 91. You were how old? 34. Okay. That's my age. Yeah. That's when you started. Cool. Yeah. 30 or 57. I'm a little bit ahead of you. 30, yeah. 34. <laughs> but, uh, and, and that, that's, that's, that's what I, that's, that's where I was at. And then, uh, in 91, then I, then I hired a few, uh, a few salespeople. Uh, I got a Lloyd's contract yeah. in 90. I was dealing with some MGAs. MGAs are um, are managing uh, general agents. Uh, where, yeah, yeah. Mani managing general agents that, that have their own Lloyd's contracts that sell to the retail market, which is I'm a retail broker. And uh, so I, I, I ended up going to London probably about 96 would be 96, 97. I got Lloyd's contracts. I go to London, convince them to, uh, to, to give me a contract. And it was my one year working at Prudential or, ha or six months working in the commercial department that enabled me to get a Lloyd's contract because I was talking to the Lloyd's, the, the head the guy, the syndicate, underwriter the syndicate, and we're out having a drink, which we had a few drinks at Lloyd's back then. And uh, he looked at me and he said to me, he goes, you're not a broker. <laughs> I said, no. He goes, you're an underwriter. Which they like. Which they liked. Yeah. And, I got, and I got a contract. And, nice. and 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 he, and he he goes you know you don't think like a broker you don't talk like a broker he goes you're an underwriter and it just happened to be that the Prudential building or at the time was uh, Aviva or whatever I don't remember exactly was right across the street from the Lloyd's building and he, and that's where I started my my business my interesting my, my career so you start off in the nineties you end up getting a Lloyd's contract as a broker you know you definitely had some success. Yeah. What would you say was the not I don't want to go just the only contributing factor to why you had success, 
but you know, you 91 by, you know, you had the heyday years right after 9-11 up until let's say 2004. Mm, yeah, from from the market started to tighten in the late 90s, 99, 2000. And then 9-11 hit. Yeah, the market was, was capacity was shrinking before 9-11 and then 9-11 hit was like kaboom. Yeah, but okay, so why did you, what do you think some of the reasons why your company had success? Um, I had good support with uh, underwriters. I had good backup in the office, somebody working really hard. Uh, and I didn't mind selling. I enjoyed selling. And the more you sell, the bigger you get. And that's... And you were selling up until what point? I probably sold up until 9-11. Okay. And then I did up until 2001, and then you hired people to basically help with the sales. I, I had people there that I hired people late 90s, and then I had then that, yeah, I didn't have to sell after that because after 9/11, it was so easy to write business. It was it was incredible. Yeah. And so to put this into perspective, by 9/11, you were basically more or less 100% commercial. You were going after mid-market accounts. Yeah. And then so at your peak, you had what six million under management, seven million dollars under management. Yeah, just under seven million. Just under seven million. Okay. And you're making nice commissions, good profit sharing checks. Oh, fees, yeah. the whole kit, kit and oh, caboodle, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, but th figure this way. Seven million sales at high commission because Lloyd's pays 25% commission. Yeah. With uh, one, two, three, five employees. Lean. Pretty lean. <laughs> and I, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you this here because it's like, you know, you, you, you definitely had success. But how come you never uh, – how come you never really – attempted to to scale the office you know get like 20 30 40 50 go to the next go to the next do you think it's because when i i'll be really straight with you you're you're ex what i see when i look at you you're an excellent salesperson um i don't know how good your 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 brain is not fully organized when it comes to like managing a bigger team that's what i've noticed and I don't mean this as an insult. I yeah, think, you're, but like, you're probably right. Your, your, your strength is definitely put me in the arena. I will sell the hell out of anything. I'll be really good at that. And group technia, sure, it never really matured from, from what I can see. I feel like it never really matured past the point where it's basically there um, offering you a support network. Because you were always very hands-on. Throughout your whole career, you were very hands-on. Yeah. insurance broker. I, I, and I, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. Well, but, but that, that, that holds you back from, from growth. You hit it. You hit a plateau. Let's let, let's talk about this because there are some people that they they can't let go of that, and I think that I want to kind of dive into this because you know we have uh, we have more people because you were very. I think you recognize your mistakes looking back at it. You know you're you're getting ready to retire pretty soon. I think you recognize your mistakes, and one of the things at the beginning that you're always trying to engrave into my head was don't get involved with the clients. Don't get involved with the clients. Delegate, 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 delegate. And I think one of the reasons why you were, you would always say this to me is because that's a mistake, not mistake, but that's something that you wish you had maybe done differently. You're absolutely right. So let's talk about this. Well, first of all, I don't have regrets because who's to say that the alternative would have, would have been any better. Yep. But uh, you're 100% right. I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have delegated more back then and I would have grown the company uh, or I would have had a team, you know, beneath me and well taken care of to, to grow the company. Uh, I didn't put enough work, time, and effort into hiring people that knew more than I did mm. 
which is a which is a key. You mm -hmm. need to hire people that know more than you do, at least in certain areas, mm -hmm. and, you, and 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 go from there. And I, I didn't put enough effort into that, and I was too busy. Do you think you didn't put enough effort into that because you didn't want to have someone who knew more than you did in the office? Was it an ego thing, not or was it? No, not at all. No, it was just because. Ah. I'm too busy with my clients. I got enough yeah. of a headache anyways. Yeah, not at all. And, and I was making good money. So, you know, the account was going, hey, things are going great and whatnot. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, then I, 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 I tried. I, I hired a bunch of uh, people. I, I trained them to get their license and all that. But I mean, you know, it, I, it was then and I realized how hard it is to sell commercial insurance. <laughs> is it ever, man? That's a, is it ever? Yeah. And as what? I used to walk into the office. And I'd say to Liberta when I had people working there, I go, you know, well, how come they can't just do this, can do that, you know? And she looked at me and she said, "You don't realize how good you are at what you do." And I said, "She said, you think everybody can? It's easy for everybody." She said, "It's not. It's not. It doesn't come easy for everybody." She said, "It's it's a really difficult thing to and sell commercial insurance." Yeah. Yeah. From from scratch. Yeah. It's 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 hard. It's not easy to do, you know, and and. I, you know, I had a lot, a lot, have a lot of faults and I wasn't good at a lot of things, but just happened to be that I was just good at that, at selling insurance. And I understood it. I got it. And, uh, I was personal enough to, to have the relationships or develop relationships to sell the insurance and it worked. But, uh, that's why I told you from day one, like you said, don't deal with the clients. Yeah. Uh, delegate this, delegate that. I think I've done pr I've I've done pretty well at that. You've done and, and you've then, done an amazing like job at that. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and thank you, thank well, you for that. Welcome. And and I think that something that brokers need to be prepared to do, because this is going to happen. And I've spoken to other commercial insurance brokers or just brokers in general as well. If you're ready to take that step, to go to the ne next step and go, okay, I want to prioritize growing the company over handling the clients. You still obviously want to take care of the clients, but yeah. you know, you'll give it to someone who, who you think will take care of them the best. Absolutely. But sometimes you, not sometimes this is probably going to happen. You got to be prepared for them to leave because they might leave. Yes. And sometimes I'd say oftentimes they do. Yeah. They go, I'm not dealing with Gary anymore. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm out of here. Yeah. I want to deal with Gary. I don't want to deal with your little minion. I want to deal with Gary. Yeah. Like Gary doesn't take these calls anymore. You know? Yeah. And so I think a lot of brokers need to kind of just accept that. Mm -hmm. And one tip that I do but, all but, the time but, but, is, but, is, sorry, is sorry, go ahead. yeah, I'll just finish with this one tip that I, I will do so that it, you kind of, it doesn't bother you as much in, in your own head. So like, let's say you're going to lose a, you know, a $50,000 account or a hundred thousand dollar account, you know, it brings in $20,000 of, of revenue. I, I do the math and I go, okay, so $20,000. Yeah. It's not nothing. But then you look at the math, you look at the revenue of the office, the operations, and you kind of go, okay, what's the percentage, the overall percentage of the KBD insurance's revenue that I could potentially lose by delegating this to someone else? And obviously, I'm not saying you don't, it's not like you're tossing the, the account to the, to the wolves. You're trying to give it to someone who you think you don't want to lose the account. But when you actually run that calculation, you go, okay, so I'm at risk to lose 0.01% of the company's revenue over the course of the year. And when you start looking at it that way, it kind of opens up your eyes. You go, okay, well, it is what it is. Prepare for the worst case scenario. The yeah. worst case scenario is you're going to lose the account. Once you accept that and you get comfortable with that, you go, okay, well, I got to do what's best for the company. Yeah. I think what's best for the company right now is to 
for me to stop taking care of this and look at it more of a strategic point of view. Mm -hmm. So let's move forward with this. That that's what I always kind of found help help for me. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the 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 key also is that if you're out selling insurance, make sure that you don't service it at all. And when I when I worked at uh, the people that bought me a fort, and I was I was selling. I would go and see the prospect, make the sale, and I would tell them, you don't want to be served by me because I'm shit at service. Like, I, I'm not good at service at all. I have a team behind me, and they'll take care of you better than I will. And if you say it like that, there's no problem. And I'd say, you know, disaster happens, and you're not getting whatever service you need. I said, if you want to call me up, I'm there. But uh, I'm, I'm basically out, out of the picture. So you're, you're delegating everything from day one. Smart. And, and Set and the client expectations right off the bat. Yes, exactly. It's like, if you, it has to be said at the very beginning because it's like making a sale. When you go and meet the client, there's high-risk questions and there's low-risk low risk questions. You, you can't ask a high-risk high risk question three days into the process. It has to be asked right away. Yep. And, and a high-risk question is mandate. Yeah. Try to ask a mandate like a week later. The guy's gonna look at you and yeah. they're gonna laugh, you know? Yeah. But it, so you realize this is high risk, this is low risk. High risk, ask ask right away. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so you ran a group tech in your sure. You had a team. Got up to what? I think you're in the most eight employees, six? Uh max was uh one, two, three, seven. What was it like when you hired your friends to be salesmen? It was kind of cool, actually. <laughs> it didn't pan out, but like, but I, tr I tried. Yeah, you tried. I, I, I tried. Did it hurt any any of your friendships? No, I don't think it did. Huh? No, okay. no, it didn't. That would that's nice. Yeah, I I, I tried and I, I tried something completely different. Yeah, and I said I'm going to spend X amount of money on this, and I'm going to get people trained and uh, put an ad in the paper, and and if you want to you want to sell ins learn learn insurance, come on in. You get salary, training, everything, and. Uh, not one of them stayed in the business. <laughs> Sorry, what one did? Well, that's that's just how hard it is. Yeah. And then so so you ran the business, you ran group, group Technia, sure. And then around two thousand and six, you sold in two thousand six. Two thousand January two thousand seven. Okay, so January two thousand. Let's talk about this, the transaction. So Group Technia, sure, a one hundred percent commercial insurance brokerage. Sold to 99, 99, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sold to Fort Insurance. Yeah. Uh, which is still existing today. Yeah. Still running today. Yeah. Let's talk about this this transaction. Uh, this the story was was this. I had the best Lloyd's contracts for the size of broker that that I was in probably the province of Quebec. And when I say the best, uh. I had capacity, property capacity, and liability contract that could write U.S. sales, U.S. exposure. I said I, I could, I could do it all. So the owner at Fort wanted to en enhance his contracts, which he had a little small contract of a million bucks, uh, TIV value kind of thing. So my broker in London called me up, and he goes, "Gary, how you doing?" Da -da, so far, okay, fine. He says, I'm going to ask you a question. He goes, but I think I know the answer. I said, ask the question. And he said, there's a broker in downtown Montreal, and he wants to, uh, wants me to go shop his, his uh, he wants me to get better contracts in, in, in London. 
He says, but you can nix it if you want. And I said, uh, who's the broker? So he told me the broker. I said, well, no. Because why would I say yes? It's just increasing my competition. Of right? course, yeah. Of course. So, so I, I had the authority to nix it. And I did. I said, no. He said, I, I'd do the same thing if I were you. But because I had to ask. Yeah, yeah. That's and, polite. Yeah. And so then uh, about um, three months later, I was approached by Ford to buy my business. And so he said, uh, I'm, I, he made me an offer to buy the business. And I yeah. said, I said, not interested. And uh, he said, okay, fine. Calls me a week or two later. And he said, uh, I want to get together with you. He goes, uh, I have a new offer for you. I said, okay. So we got together and he, he made me a new offer, which was better than the first one. I said, let me think about it. So I went back to him. I said, if you do that, plus this and this and this and this, I figured I have nothing to lose. Uh, if he doesn't mind, if he says no, I don't want to sell anyways. So I was in a win-win situation. So he said, uh, I'll do it. So I was like, oh my God, I, I'm going to sell my business. And, and, you know, but I got everything that I wanted. And I justified selling it because I had a hard time getting more employees to work there to grow the, to grow the book. There was a, like, same as nowadays, there wasn't a lot of good people around. I wasn't old enough yet. You weren't old enough. Well, you were like, uh, you know, oh, eighteen. Eighteen. You weren't old enough yeah. yet. So I, 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 uh, I thought to myself, and and not only that, the premiums after nine eleven went sky high, especially for liability, especially if you had U.S. U.S. sales. Yeah. The, the premiums were in the stratosphere. The rates were in the stratosphere. So in two thousand and six, the market two thousand and four, the market started getting a little bit softer. End of two thousand and four. 2005, more so softer. It was the rates were on their, on their way down. So rates were on their way down. Machine shops were closing because of China, and that's what I did. We insured mostly machine shops. So I thought to myself, you know what? Machine shop sales are closing. Rates are going down. The macro environment was not favorable to exactly. So I said, let's. I said, done. Sure, take it. Take it. And uh, so I got a payout up front and another payout after four years because I had a contract there for, for, for three years, which turned out to be four years. And I had no regrets. I enjoyed working at Fort. Great group of people, good support. And, uh, and then I worked, uh, I finished my contract and I, I left. I was out of insurance for a year, putzing around. And, uh, yeah, you were just down in Florida. Down in Florida, back and forth. And I, and I said to myself, I want to get back into this game. I'm 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 49 years old. I'm 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 not ready to retire. Like to 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 not you know to retire my 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 profession, and uh, so I started looking around. I made a few calls to brokers in in, in the area. And I had one that said, "Okay, I'll, you can buy buy half of me," but I didn't want half. I wanted all of it. And then my brother Greg, which owned KBD, which ran he was the running KBD on his own. Him and his wife and his daughter. He approached me and said, Garrett, he goes, I'm out of this business. I said, oh, okay. He goes, do you want to buy it? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, but there were personal lines. Why did you buy it? It was a way for me to get back into the business. But you didn't know anything about personal lines. That's me. <laughs> I didn't worry about it. I said, I'll, I'll find somebody that to work there. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to grow it, and I'll get out and do start commercial myself. Hmm. And that's, 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 that's what I did. So I, and What? I, what? What was that here before we kind of go on to KBD or like just move when when you came back? What did um, can you talk about 
back, back, back in the day, I think you know what the question is. When you first started your career and uh, Lorenzetti came into your office and said, hey, he made you an offer to come. This is back when BFL had just started. BFL Canada had just started as well. Or yeah. they, they were a couple years older. Yeah, that, that would have been probably 93. So you had just started. You're two years into your career on your own. And he said, hey, come work for me. Yeah. He, he approached me and came into the office and he said, uh, he offered me like, uh, the, the, back then it was like one or one and a half times. Commission. Commissions, like now it's like crazy. Okay, you know? but to the best of your correct recollection, can you can you kind of just talk about like this interaction that you had with Barry? Oh, he walked into the office and- okay. uh, Called you up? Called me up and, and he was, he, he knew an underwriter that worked at Chubb and went under, said to Chubb this, about me, this guy started his own business, he's a hustler, blah, 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 and, uh, and whatnot. I, maybe he could work well with, with you kind of thing, you know? So he, he approached me, came, came into the office, he said, uh, sat down, and he said, uh, I'm willing to buy your business, come and work for us, and uh, made me an offer of whatever. I said, no thanks. And uh, On the spot? Yeah. Said, I'm good? Yeah. Yeah, I said, no thanks. And uh, I said, you know, I, ju I just started my business. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, you want to see what it was like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in retrospect. dip your foot in the water. In retrospect, I mean, you know, who knows where I would have been at Lawrence Inn. It's a big, a big account, a big, a big broker with a lot of, a lot of support, a lot of markets and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I like to sell. I mean, that's that, that's what I love, I love to do, and I probably would have done okay with it, you know. I know you always say you never have any regrets. You don't regret that, eh? Nope. Do you think you, it, had you taken that deal, you would have had the quality of life that the, – the, sorry, not the quality of life, the freedom that you had of being um, a sole proprietor of your own insurance firm? I don't think I would have had the freedom, no. You probably wouldn't have. No, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. Because you were able to go play golf whenever you wanted. Like, exactly. and all you got your shit done. I'm not saying you were just playing golf all the time, but yeah. if the day was done, you're kind of gonna go play some golf. I made two sales this week. I'm out of here. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless I would have went there, got into bigger accounts, which in interested me a lot, also, and get support back then. And you know, and let's face it, if you you got a broker, a sales guy, selling like crazy. And they're never there, but the support is behind them. And in the big picture, they're still making a lot of money off you. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would have I would have paid to have seen that interaction to go back in time just to see what it was like. Oh, it was a good meeting. I'm sure it was. There's no animosity between the two of us. Whatsoever. No, no, no. That's of course. Yeah, yeah no, of it was course, it was yeah. good. Good. He came in and and yeah. and uh, nice guy. Well, that's what when I when I yeah when I when I reached out to him and said hey I just I'd like to come you know pick your brain can I come pick your brain. And when he first thing he said when I walked in, you're Gary Killen's son. I said yeah, because I wouldn't have taken this meeting if you weren't his son. So I said, oh. <laughs> I said I'll let him know that. <laughs> um, okay, so you're out of the business. Group Technia, sure. So you start off in KBD. You left. Took your business with you. You worked on your own for let's say 15, 17 years. You sold that business to Fort Insurance. Yep. Still a predominantly commercial insurance broker. Present today, they're located in Westmount. Yeah, you're getting the itch. You had your cash. You're putzing around, doing whatever, playing golf, this that. You're getting the itch to come back into the insurance game. This is around 20, 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. You go up to your brother Greg, who's now running KBD Insurance. Greg says, "Gary, I want to get out of here. You buy KBD Insurance." Mm -hmm. Why did you buy KBD Insurance? What's the real reason why you bought KBD Insurance? I know you're saying, "Well, because I was bored." What are some other reasons why you bought KBD insurance? There's got to be other reasons why you bought KBD. I bought KBD insurance solely to get back into the business. It was my my in to get back into the business. And I figured 
I could, you know, grow the personal lines, uh, get my Lloyd's contracts back, which which I did. Yeah, we did uh, at that point, and uh, and just and st- and start over again. And and, and I would have done it. I said to myself, start over again. I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll start it off, and then I'll hire people and salespeople and whatnot, and, uh, and delegate more than I did before, and uh, go from there. But it was it was it was my in to get back into to back, get back into the business. This is going to sound super arrogant on my part. If I wasn't around, because you assumed that I was going to work in insurance. If I wasn't around, you think you would have bought KBD? I still would have bought it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. I, st- I, st- I still right, good for you. I still would have bought it. I'm not trying to be a cocky asshole right now. It's just for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I, I know that. For I get it, but I because I, st- I, I wanted to get back in. Mean, yeah, you, you you were in the back of my head. Obviously, you're going to come in and help me with you know do whatever. But uh, I I I, st- I still would have bought it. I, I mean, I was I was too young to to tire, retire from a, yeah. a, a profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I still remember when uh, yeah the story of when you're like okay, when we're we're at in Beiderfe, and we're raking leaves. And then th- this is literally the story. Yeah, this for the viewers. This is the story of how I got started in insurance. We're raking leaves in the in the backyard, and he goes uh, not okay. Uh, hey, are you interested in working in insurance? Hey, you know uh, KBD is doing well. It'd be really cool for you to come work. We could really use your help. And you just go, okay, um, it's a Friday. Curtis, you're going to start on Monday. I'm going to get a list. You're going to be cold calling people around the area. Uh, we'll get you to pass the exams. You'll be up and running in no time. And it did. It worked. This was in September or October of 2009. No, 2011. And then by 2012, beginning 2012, I, was, I had my broker license. <coughs> that was interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. It worked well because you didn't train me at all. It's just I I, I find it like, I find well, it I didn't s- train you in personal lines. No, I find it just I find it really funny how like you know you just bought because you're a commercial insurance guy and you bought a personal lines uh, office and then when I came to work here, it's like all right go I go well I don't know anything <laughs> well neither do I so go <laughs> that's kind of what it was we, like. We both you learned pretty well. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, it it turned out all right it turned out all right but yeah that was that was uh, that was pretty interesting. And um, I mean, I mean, for me, the best way for anybody to learn anything is to is to get them out and, and, and doing it and, and make and make your mistakes. And uh, like like I'm all, you know, in today's technology, uh, I'm, I'm still for not only doing this, but I'm, I'm still for brokers doing cold calls. And and, and the, the reason why is not because I believe in the cold call concept and not all, all the technology and all the kind of stuff. It's because it enhances your your skill level. As a salesperson. As a salesperson. Yes. And, 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 and because you get to deal with rejection, objection, uh, you know, and, and you have to be able to, to, to address all that. To overcome the objections. Yes. And and as you know, sales, you know, if you have a 35% closing ratio, mm-hmm. which is good, mm-hmm. think about that. Two out of three people are going to say no. Yeah. Yeah. So most people are rejecting you. Yes. Yeah. And I, I always use the analogy in baseball. If, if you're a 333 hitter in baseball, you're getting one hit, you're having one success in every three at bats, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Basically, but you're Hall of Famer, but you're 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 failing two out of three times. Yeah, every single you know every single game. 
I would I would definitely agree with that statement that it's important. Like, look, the on the sales side, it's important to keep your skills sharp. You should be talking to people a lot. You should be practicing those skills. Yes. You know, to get past objections, to get past people that, you know, if, if someone's not interested, they're not interested. But sometimes you can make people interested. But I believe in, in a hybrid system. I don't believe in a, in a company that basically a company that's 100 percent online and they never speak to anyone. That's not good for sales either. Humans are still humans at the end of the day. Yes. And if you call someone up, for example, if I, if I was to call someone up to for their insurance or you were to call someone up like a warm lead or something like that, mm -hmm. that's going to be way more effective than just waiting for that person to call if they fill out a form online for a car insurance quote and waiting for them to call. For sure. You got to call these people. Absolutely. Up, you got to speak to them. Yeah. And um, I mean, the, 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 the way for, for somebody to learn anything is to put themselves in an uncomfortable position a fair amount of the time. Yeah. It's like if you want to, it's like I'm a big believer in cryotherapy, cold water showers and cold, and cold baths. It's you're, you're exposing your body to uh, pain in a way. I'm not a pain. I'm not a masochist or anything, but you're exposing your body to something that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And you, it's, it's, it, it creates resilience. And, and when you're cold calling, there's a good chance we're hanging up the phone or, you know, you're going to get rejected or whatever it is. And, and it's, it's, it's a learning experience. Tell us the story about the time when you first started your business and you were down in the dumps and you hit a really big roadblock when you were starting off in your business. Oh, I, the, the, it was the first year in business. And, uh, as I said, my first year in business, I was just trying to get my, my, you know, my feet underneath me on solid ground and, and whatnot. And I sold uh, a big account. Well, a big account for me back, you know, it was like one hundred and thirty or one hundred forty thousand dollar account. It's a nice account back then, back in the early nineties. It's nice. Nice account. Yeah. You know, Twenty percent commission and the whole bit. And um, so I, I, I got a little cocky, you know. So ah, this 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 business is gonna be really easy. And I had that account, a few other accounts, and I didn't do as well as I could have done, maybe because I was a little cocky or arrogant, whatever. And uh, that renewal came up for that account, first renewal, and ordinarily I, I, I kept everything. I didn't, you know, and it, and it came up with the first renewal, and it was a location in the U.S. that they didn't do the recommendations, and they, he got a quote from uh, one of the mutuals, and the, the mutual said, "Well, you have two years to do the rec," and uh, so he he switched. So I, lo I, lo I lost I lost the business. And uh, and it was it hurt. It's like you know I just lost uh, 140, you know, twenty eight uh, thousand dollars uh, that I was expecting to get, which I, I didn't get. And I felt and I, I lost another account the same day, well maybe a twenty thousand dollar account, whatever. And I what said, was the the second account? Wasn't that he ended up giving it to one of his um, one of his family member fam or something fa like that, fa right? Family member, yeah. Yeah. He goes, there's a guy, nothing to do with you. He goes, uh, I so got to give it to someone else. Sorry. So, so and so got into the business. You know, he's. I got to give it. So I lost one day. I lost two accounts. I hadn't lost one account all year. So it was like it kind of hit me, like holy shit, you know. So I, I went back to the office and I, I was I was going okay. What, what am I? And what was the feeling that you had there? Did you kind of? Looks like an empty feeling. Yeah, it's like you you lost something, you know. It's like a feeling of loss. It's 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 a little bit. It's kind of a little bit of a panic. It's a little bit of a. You're pissed. You're 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 angry. There's a little bit of. Yeah, a, I was a bit. I was. I, well, first of all, you, 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 it's, a, it's a feeling of loss. Yeah. 
and you're a little bit pissed because. But do you get that panic? Did you get the panic feeling? Mm. Like I, I get a panic feeling sometimes. Not not a panic feeling. Just no. just like a, a a low feeling in your stomach. Okay. Like a like a. It's like feeling shit. Of, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. shit, you know, shit. feeling of a loss, you know. So, like, I, so, uh, like, oof. so that's, I'm, I'm saying to myself, holy shit, what, what happens if I lose a few more like that? Like, yeah. you know, and that, that's what I'm talking about the panic, right yeah. there. And so, and I, I'm, I'm sitting up in, in my desk in at my office, and uh, it was uh, like five or six o'clock, whatever, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling like shit, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, 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 you know, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, and whatnot. So, I, I go into my and sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off again. You know, like for, I'm three years old. You got two two babies. I'm, yeah. So you're thinking about that too. I'm sure. Going for like, sure. Man, I got a I got a family to support yeah. here. Like, what's? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I start, you know, and then, uh, so I I go into my drawer, and I had the ma- there was a magazine called Rough Notes. It was a U.S. publication, an insurance magazine publication. So I take it out of the drawer, and I'm, I'm just flipping pages, you know, and I come to, the Teddy Roosevelt speech his wartime speech and i read I, I read it and it inspired me <laughs> it was as if it was sent from god for the situation uh, that you're in that's exactly what happened yeah, yeah. and, and I, Isn't I, it strange how things like that happen yeah it was I, it was like you know uh this this um uh, the last line was that this world shall never be shall never be for those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat hmm. you know the, the credit belongs to the to the the gladiator that's in the arena that's face is marred with dust and sweat. No, I, you know, anyway, so yeah. it, it, it inspired me. And I said, okay, yeah, I got to get going, you know. Uh, yeah. Got to get get back on the, it woke me up kind of thing. And uh, I had that, that was in September 1st. I had that account and more made up by December 31st. Because you got in, got on your ass, came in the next day, got on the blower and started yeah. calling a bunch of. I, st- I, 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 it woke me up. And, yeah. I, and 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 from that day on, I, I needed that actually. So it's probably a good thing that it happened. It, it was great. It was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, and it, it got me going, and uh, and then the rest, you know, I I started selling, and everything was uh, everything worked out well, you know. It's interesting how that happens. It's kind of the same thing going on with with um, our opening in on Ontario, and just how the structure is going to come and stuff like that. Yeah, where it's you know I, I'm kind of. I want that challenge. I want that extra challenge. It's fun. Where there's some consequences if you don't succeed. Uh, yeah. And the consequences being me losing chunks of the business. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, you, you, you need to challenge yourself. I mean, uh, you you want to you want to put yourself in a position of success. You don't you don't want to challenge yourself where you're where you're gonna there's a one in ten chance it's gonna you're gonna make it. But you wanna you know, you wanna put the odds in your favor. And uh, so we're almost at the we, we've gone through the whole timeline of Gary, Gary Killen's insurance career. Now, we're we're working uh, something out for uh, for you to get out of here. Yep. For you to walk off into the sunset. Yep. What's next for for Gary Killen? What's next? Yeah, what's next? I'm not going to lie on the beach because I'll burn. <laughs> what's next for me yeah is i'm gonna help you grow ontario yeah yeah okay i'm gonna do it on uh, a part-time basis okay and uh, i'll get on the blower okay and i'll contact ontario brokers for you 
I asked for that list, by the way. So if anyone, if you're, we're, we're looking to acquire insurance brokers, just for, for those of you listening, it's no secret. I like letting people know that we're interested. We have financing in place. So not a problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do that. But the same thing I did for it. I'll open the door. I'll get in. Yeah, yeah. And then the, te- then the team comes in after that. Well, I, I, I think it would be uh, I think it would be good for you to call because a lot of the people that are ready to retire my, my are gonna age. Be your age. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna relate to someone who's exactly. better than I will. Exactly. You know, a lot some some people might they might look at me and just go it will, it could go one of two ways. You're a kid, you don't know what you're doing. The other way it could go, oh wow, this kid's you know hustling. I'm gonna give this kid a chance because I like him. It could go one of two ways. You don't know all that kind yep. of stuff. Yeah, it could go yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I but I yeah, I I I I'll, I don't mind doing a bit of that. Yeah. And. Uh, I would enjoy it. Yeah, it's been it's been like for a lot of people kind of also the fact that we um, we I guess we work together, but we never really worked together. You'd help me out here and there, but you were never really directly my boss like you were my boss on paper. But you kind of you were very good at throughout KBD kind of just let you let you let you run yeah letting me do my own thing yeah i take your five phone calls a day yeah (laughs) yeah it was like three but whatever sometimes seven no 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 yeah yeah Yeah. i still remember the one the one time when we were in it was at the office on saint charles and we're sitting there and i remember this so vividly and i answered the phone i thought it was someone else i was getting pissed off at someone in the office for something and i answered the phone i went i go what and it happened to be a client and uh hi i went oh my god i'm so sorry i thought it was someone else anyway so i got the quote i got out of that one there smoothed it over she's gonna go i'm so sorry i should have answered like that okay no problem go through it was a home insurance quote and she was insured with bel-air and she lived in the west island so i go through the whole quote finish it up and you were sitting in the room the whole time like right over there just sitting standing just with this stern look on your face and i got off the phone and you just ripped me a new asshole. Just basically saying, number one, why did you pick up the phone like that? I go, well, I just, you, I'm, you heard me. And there wasn't, I didn't do that on purpose. Never answer the phone like that. Number two, you didn't ask for the business at the end of the call. I went, oh, sorry. And this is on like three months into the job. I don't know anything. Number three, that's not how groundwater sewer coverage works. It works like this. You need to know your products better. And you just start ripping into me as I'm like trying to, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm trying my best here to sell the insurance. I don't remember that. Well, I do. I do. <laughs> just basically just tore me a new asshole. <laughs> well, it must have worked, right? Yeah, yeah I, I could take it. I mean, you weren't wrong about the stuff. It's like, you need to know your products better. And you, you were right. I did know. To, I did need to know my products better. And so, you know, sometimes people, uh, um, pe- people need a kick in the ass. Everyone reacts differently. Yeah, but, for sure. But yeah, that was. Uh, I, I remember that story there. And then the other one too, where um, where you helped me out a lot was the whole day. Remember, at the, like again in the first. Because the office was a shit show, basically. When I when I when I came into the office, it was a shit show. Yep. And I took care of the whole office in like my for for a whole week. Yeah. You, I think you, I had you, a month experience. You were on your own. Yeah. And you and you did well. I don't know if I did well. I did well considering. The well, you did you did well considering the circumstances. Yeah. 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 We we handled it well. If it wasn't for the underwriters at Intact, uh, I would not have been able to complete that. They were the ones that helped me. Every yeah. call because you couldn't help me, right? Like you understand the product and how insurance works, the back end and, and making actual transactions. You had no idea how to do that. No. So not. that's where the underwriters had to help me out. Not a clue. Yeah. No, yeah. In, in tax, you know, 
they were they're they've been pretty good actually yeah intact has been a, a great partner to, to <coughs> work with you know from from day one i remember when i went yeah. uh, when, it, when you started or before you started um dennis furlong he's, he's since retired he came to me and said uh, we have this new uh new concept that we're doing where leads come into the office and we farm them out to our best brokers and one of them blah, 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 and so forth. i said he goes you want to join it i said well okay you know and then i spoke to you about it and then uh when you came in and started working, he said to me, I went for lunch with him one time, he said to me, he goes, Gary, he goes, we have a great training process. He says, we, we train brokers to be good managers and whatnot, so on and so forth. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, just sign Curtis up. Don't even ask him. That's what he told me. Yeah, yeah, for uh, gestionnaire, accompagnateur. Yeah, he goes, sign him up, tell him which day he's going and yeah. what time, and said, then that's it, don't give him a choice. <coughs> yeah, it, it helped. They got rid of that program. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the coach that did it, the teacher, uh, Francois Savaria, yep. excellent coach. He's on his own now, so he still does uh, coaching, c consultation, stuff like that. Um, I think they stopped it because he left, oh. and he was uh, he was a great teacher. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Couldn't find somebody as competent as he was. I guess not. I guess not, yeah. But he was great, very, um, very animated, very enthusiastic, really nice guy, just, uh, just a likable guy. Good guy. And he knew what he was talking about. He, was, he had really... You could tell he had leadership qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he no, was it worked because you, you know you, you were. You oh, it helped big time. You're a good good manager and. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. The one thing, the biggest trip, and this is a tip. This is a tip for everyone. The biggest thing that helped change my managerial or the way I manage people was if you want someone to change something, start off with three compliments. Yes. You did this well. You did this well. You did this well. Do you, what do you think about this? And they're going to go, because now you've pet their ego and they're going, oh, wow, okay, they feel good about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, wow, I did do that well. Oh, great, I was trying really hard to do that. Thank you. What do you think about this? And you don't go, oh, you're doing this bad. You go, what do you think about this? And then the broker or the employee, you know, they'll probably go, ah, I don't know. You go, do you think we can improve it? Maybe we could get it up to this. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Great. Let's work on that this week. And you pick one thing. You can't pick five things to work on. It's never, you're going to. No, you're going to burst their ego. You're going to burst yeah. their ego. You're going to kill their confidence. And not Absolutely. only that, having five thoughts to improve upon, you're just not going to improve. No. So it's better pick one thing for them to work on. Start with three compliments. You're going to defuse them. Yeah. You're going to disarm them. Then basically go to, hey, let's, let's try working on this. Okay, yeah, good idea. Yeah. It worked like a charm. My managerial career changed from that point on. Yeah. Seriously. That's the best tactic or best mm -hmm. strategy ever I've ever received. Yeah, training is important. Yes. You didn't use that on me when <laughs> maybe not after that, the call. Maybe not that day, but I've I've I I think I've been pretty good to you so far. <laughs> no, no, you have. You have. You have you've been good. Okay. Um but yeah, anything else you wanna you wanna mention? What time is it? How long have we been going for? Holy shit, almost two hours. Yeah, almost two. We're about like an hour and a half. Like That's perfect. Anything else you wanna talk about or um, quick, quick. Yeah, he, he wrote down a couple of things. Well, I pretty about. well covered everything, you know. I'm looking yeah. at it. Uh, we got dopamine. We got, what else you got there? You got. Well, I wrote something down news, but they'll go, they, if you have me on next time, I'll bring that up. The news? Well, it's, 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 it's not really new. It was something to do with, with uh, today's society, with uh, got to do with dopamine levels and all that kind of stuff, you know. Dopamine levels? Yeah. Yeah, with um, social media. Well, social media, you know, they, we, we're, we're in a new ecosystem. Uh, Dopamine nation, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 
there's so much stimulation for the brain of like Instagram and and TikTok, TikTok Facebook, and, and, and yeah. ping ping on your phone and and drives me crazy and gambling on TV and, yeah. and shopping and everything you know there's just there's just so much that if you're not aware of it you're gonna end up um, it's like like I was saying about the Romans you know Roman Empire you you you, you become enslaved and you you it, it it boxes you in and for better for better or worse it limits you that's one thing that for and even a lot of influencers the good influencers that you know I follow a couple of influencers if yeah. you want to call them that or YouTube personalities and their job is to be on YouTube and produce content a lot of times they'll say I don't know if they are telling the truth or not but they'll be like yeah my phone the first I make sure I don't sleep within my room I don't either and the first half an hour of the day I don't look at my phone I yeah. get up I go get some sunlight I eat I go shower I don't look at my Abs phone and it's like and for people it's terrible that that people do this I'm guilty of it myself but you can even feel it's like I'll wake up in the morning, I'll open it, I'll go on TikTok, and then I'll go on my emails, my work emails, and I can feel my anxiety Absolutely. just go through the roof. And every but I'll do it every day. So I finally like last week I started making a conscious effort. Hey, this I gotta stop this man. Well, but you do you have to self bind. Self binding is not having your phone around because you know you're you that's the way if you if you're self binding then you're an alcoholic. You're not gonna keep alcohol in your house right? yeah yeah so you 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 you, you recognize yourself and your weak points and you do that and you and you 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 stay away from it you set yourself fine i had a i wrote down the news because i was trying to get it into the conversation somewhere along the line but i was reading something last week it was really interesting because they were saying that the the the, the, the author was was my age yeah and they were saying that the difference when they were growing up all the news you had to go to the news yeah, like there was when I was growing up, there was news at six o'clock. They had the local news, and then I don't even I don't even think they had national. I think the national was only at night. So they had six o'clock news for an, half an hour or whatever it was, and then news at eleven. And then I mean, when, when you're a kid, and they had the newspaper. Oh, I didn't read the newspaper when I was seven years old. And yeah. Not too many kids did. So you didn't do. get it. I I didn't get it, and then I never I never watched the news. So as a kid, w growing up, we we were sheltered in a sense, you know. I didn't know about mass shootings and, and yeah. none, none of that, you know. It's crazy. Where now, the news. It's 24-7, everywhere. You don't go into the news. It comes to you. Oh, yeah. So it's 24-7 everywhere, exactly. Yeah. Everywhere you go, it's like click, 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 and click. And everyone's click. so upset. Everyone's so angry. Everyone's yeah. So everybody's angry. Yeah. Everyone's yelling. And, 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 and the, the antidepressants, and it's, off the, it's off the charts. I know. And not only in North America and Britain and, and the Western world. It's like China, India, everywhere. Antidepressants. Antidepressants, really? sleep, medi sleep medication. Interesting. Uh, it's off the charts, and it keeps keeps going like this. So what you're saying is basically we're just overstimulated. We're overstimulated. We're not yeah. built. We're not built to be like this. No, we're not. And 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 work has something to do with it. So if you can understand it, the mechanism and how it works, you can control it, and you can be more productive at work, have a happier work life, and have a happier home life. Per, have a happier yeah. out, outside outside. I of find work for me to be honest. I I come to work. It's my uh, escape from that. Work for me is an escape, strangely that's enough. That's because you delegate. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. But yeah, when I come here, it's like on my phone and like, God, and I get here, it's like, oh, I can just have, I have deep concentration and it's something that I enjoy. You know, I just, not, not every day, obviously, but for most of the time, it's actually quite therapeutic for me. That's, I honestly think, I don't think I'll ever retire. 
I know I'm young to say that, but yeah, but, uh, that's like me. I, I'd like to stay in it at some point, you know, the, to to some extent. It's okay. We're gonna get that whole list of insurance brokers with the owners' names. Yeah, we'll give them the old one too. No problem. Yeah, easy stuff. All right, Gary Killen. Okay, Curtis, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So once again, this is uh, Gary Killen. It's uh, Curtis Killen's father, the uh, ex-president of KBD. <laughs> ex-president. Well, <laughs> well, you were the president. Not not because he got demoted, because he's you know he's on the way out. And uh, if you guys like the uh, the podcast, or you know, feel free to subscribe. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, all the major platforms. And uh, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate your viewership. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. See you later, man. Look forward to next time. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.